Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast that covers the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books one volume at a time. <laughs> we I made know, it. Oh, huh? We're, we're at the end. The end of volume one. Crazy. Came up quick, really. Yeah, I think this season was technically two episodes shorter than last season somehow, even though I tried to cut it right down the middle. I think I messed it up. <laughs> but we'll, we're going to have bonus episodes and stuff. It'll be fine. But what else you been? What have you been up to this week? Besides gearing up for the last episode of our season. Yeah, I've been doing that. I just finished season one of the O3 series. Cool. The more I hear it, Casey's voice is just... You're right. There's just something forced i guess sounding about the way he talks i, I don't know <laughs> it just doesn't fit i i i almost don't even mind that voice for the character it's the the way they drew him it just doesn't seem like that voice comes out of that body like you know what it just doesn't fit the, the the look but enough about the old tmnt we're here today to talk about older T- tmnt <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to finish this volume today talking about City at War Part 13, the last part of the City at War story. And once again, it's the story by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. It's the script by Peter Laird and Jim Lawson, the pencils by Jim Lawson, the inks by Keith Aiken, and the lettering by Mary Kelleher. It's got a cover date of August 1993, so let's go take a look at what was going on in August of 1993 this month in entertainment so the movies august 93 we've got the fugitive that was august according to my research (laughs) wow he did not kill his wife it was the one-armed man spoiler alert i don't care The Secret Garden, which is a movie that I think was big at the time, but nobody remembers. So you didn't have yeah, any I... sisters. I had two sisters. No. That was that was big. That was like a... I mean, I know this is a bad thing to say these days, but that was a girl movie. <laughs> you know, but my sisters were definitely into The Secret Garden. And like bl- another, another big one that hasn't come up in these notes yet, but um... What was that Black Black Stallion was another movie they that were I remember being a big deal. I don't remember why. No, me neither. <laughs> they were both based on like young adult novels, Books. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then another movie from this month, the only other one I found that was worth mentioning, Searching for Bobby Fisher. So, with that in mind, like this probably helped contribute to why Jurassic Park had such a huge financial, like it was a juggernaut at the box office. And, and you know, that came out in July. Now in August, it's got like no competition except The Fugitive a little bit, but that's not like the same type of movie. So, of course, Jurassic Park's just going to keep steamrolling things. I feel like Jason Goes to Hell came out in August of 93, but maybe it didn't. I'll look that up for you right now. Yeah, the the place I get these release dates from, yep, it says August 93. Did it get a theatrical release? 
Yeah, because they made a big deal out of it because it That's was the so final weird. Friday the 13th, which... Because the site you know, that I used for this literally only had four movies listed for August, and that wasn't one of them. The The fourth it's one, f- I don't remember, but I hadn't heard of it. <laughs> Finding Bob... Searching for Bobby Fisher. What about Jason Voorhees? And eh, the kids <laughs> don't know who he is. <laughs> It's an enter- I I always get into that horror argument, but I still say the Friday the Thirteenth is the most consistently entertaining slasher series. But yes, Jason goes to hell. Well worth a look if you hadn't seen it, and it's it's a weird one to put it lightly. Heart and Souls was the other movie it had listed. Robert Downey Jr. I don't know. Never Charles heard of Gordon. Oh. I'm going on a different website here. Surf Ninjas came out in August of 93. That's worth mentioning. Oh, all right. I saw that in the theater, actually. Ninjas were getting into everything. All I remember from that movie is Rob Schneider is in it, playing probably a character that's supposed to be like 15 years younger than he was at the time. Because <laughs> he was supposed to be like a like a 18 to 22-year-old, and he was like in his 40s. Um, and I remember his character had a game gear and like, he could like see the future on the game gear or something like that. Everyone listening to this is mad at me right now for not knowing. (laughs) I remember that at the time I didn't realize it, but years later realizing Leslie Nielsen was in that movie as the bad guy. Yep. Yep. He sure was. So the music of 93 can't Help Falling in Love by UB40 dominated the whole month of August, which, like I said last episode, it makes sense. They play it at every single wedding ever. Yep. Wise man say, only fools rush in. Wise man say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. That's the only connection to Turtles I can make with that song. <laughs> Video games, the Nintendo Power cover was Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Fast, All right. new fighting. And then it had a little thing that said Alien 3 Special Feature. I'm guessing they mean the game, not the movie. So the cover was Vega from Street Fighter 2. Yeah. He was the one with the, the mask and the claws. Yeah. I spent so much of my childhood trying to climb the fence on his stage. <laughs> I never figured out how to do it. <laughs> if you figured it out, tweet at us. Let us know. I want to know. I have it on my I Switch. I think I could... I could do it by accident. I don't think I ever, like, legitimately did it. But that's interesting. Usually they had Bison or uh, Sagat as, like, the main ones they'd put on, like, stuff about it. Or Blanca. He was a big uh, yeah, Blanca for the or series. Ch- Chun-Li. Yep. You know, it was just Vega holding his mask with his... The, the same claws that Jenica uses, actually, I think. Those, like... Yeah. Ninja claws. And then the, this was a pretty cool issue of Nintendo Power. Like, I, I, I looked through it, and it also had eight pages on Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Like a little beginner guide. I know there's like 200 levels to that game, but it, it had eight pages going over some of them. Um, it had six pages on Goof Troop for Super Nintendo, which I know is a game that has a following. Uh, I've never really played it much, but I know some people out there into Goof Troop. I like the cartoon show. I can still remember the theme song. 
Let's give it a bop bop do up. Yeah. Um. <laughs> also in this issue, the classified information section, which is like where they, they posted cheat codes and stuff. It had a, a code for turtles in time to get t- 10 turtles instead of the standard three for your playthrough. Oh, that's cool. So on the title screen, you got to highlight the options command. Then on controller two, quickly press up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start. But you have to hit start on the player one controller. And if you do that correctly, you'll be taken to an options screen. And then you can uh, reset, you can set the number of turtles you have to 10. That's cool. I remember that when you used to have to like use the other controller to put the code in. Yeah, very few games did that. And to tell you the truth, as far as I can, as far as I know, like these codes didn't even exist for us. They existed for the people who were programming the games when they had to like play test them. So they were like, oh, I don't want to get a game over. So I'm going to put in a way for me to, to get, it would usually be like unlimited continues or like, that's how you'd get like invincibility and stuff like that. It was so they could play test the game. Without having to code it any differently. And then the, how they yep. did it would like leak out. But my favorite part of this issue of Nintendo Power, not to get too bogged down in Nintendo on our last Turtles issue, but I, I thought this was worth mentioning because it so took me back to this time, is there's this this four-page article devoted to confusing video game titles because some games would have the same title on like Game Boy and Nintendo and Super Nintendo, but they would be completely different games. Or like some games would have different titles and be the same game. It was like all over the place. So they they did this article on like confusing titles and, and like some quick examples. There's three completely different games called The Addams Family. <laughs> Similarly... There's also three different games called Adam's Family Pugly, Pugsley Scavenger Hunt. So, it, if you have it on Game Boy, it's different than NES, it's different than Super Nintendo. Three different games. Star Wars on Game Boy and Star Wars on NES were made by different publishers, but they're the same game. So that's kind of confusing. That's weird. Um, I think... Whatever company did the Game Boy one, one company just didn't make Game Boy games, and that's why. So they're like, here, you can make, you can publish our game, I guess. I don't know. They probably paid money to be able to do it. Uh, the Battletoads on NES, Battletoads Ragnarok, Battletoads Ragnarok's World on Game Boy, and Battletoads Battle Maniacs are all versions of the same game. So it's three different titles for the same game. <laughs> and like back then, if you were making like a Christmas list for your parents or something, like you did yeah. that on paper. You didn't send your mom a link, you know? You yeah. weren't on the internet. You wrote down on paper. So you had to know if these games had different titles on different systems or, you know, you're not going to get the correct Pugsley scavenger hunt or whatever if you, if you don't specify. See, that's why I thought Hyperstone Heist was just Turtles in Time on Sega. Exactly, yeah. And then lastly, sometimes sequels to games are given completely different titles, so you don't even realize they're in the same series. So they wrote, 
Like, like today we know that Metal Gear and Snake's Revenge sound like they belong together. But back then, you'd be like, what does Snake's Revenge have to do with Metal Gear? Unless you played the game. Yeah. Like, And then there's another example here. Solstice, Altered Space, and Equinox are all in the same series. <laughs> How and would you've you know got, that? Exactly. And then you've got the classic Super C, then... Oh, wait, first it's Contra, which goes to Super C, and then it's Operation C, and then it's Contra Force, and then Contra 3, The Alien Wars. I didn't even know there were two in between Super C and 3. There you see, that's why you needed this article. <laughs> I hate that and they called it Super C because it's on the NES. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was another thing they mentioned in the article. They had a whole list of um, games that that start with Super that aren't Super Nintendo games because that was like another tricky thing, too. And again, if you're making a Christmas list or something like you, you might end up with a Super Nintendo game, even though you don't own a Super Nintendo, if your parents don't you know, know the difference and stuff like that. And one year, grandma tried to get Super C to fit in the SNES. Yeah, like people like I remember you can look this up on YouTube the year the Super Nintendo came out. There's like a 2020 the old news show 2020 like there's a 2020 news segment on basically like them like accusing it of being a scam. The concept of new video game systems hadn't happened yet, you know, so like they didn't understand it was an upgrade, a software upgrade, a hardware upgrade, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a funny one to watch. So, moving on to TV events. August 18th, at Clash of the Champions 24, the professional wrestler known as the Shockmaster botches his debut appearance in World Championship Wrestling by tripping and falling face-first onto the ground after crashing through a wall on Ric Flair's interview segment. I meant to look that up and I completely forgot, but sounds like sounds like that something up. To look sounds into. hilarious. <laughs> August twenty second, Living Single premieres on Fox, which is a show I'm not completely familiar with, but I know everyone says that Friends completely ripped off Living Single, and I'm familiar with it enough to know that they're right. Like I think even the creators have said that. Friends was directly inspired by Living Single. But Friends didn't have Queen Latifah. So. You, you can tell it was a Fox show because it premiered in August. I read when I was looking at this that one of the original titles for Living Single was Friends. Like right down to that. <laughs> anyway, August 28th. Our listeners are going to want to know this. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers premieres. Oh, nice. On Fox Kids. I never really got into Power Rangers, which we, we mentioned when we were talking with Turtle Recall. But Yeah, that's like his other go-to. Yeah, but I know it was big for people around this age range and especially Turtle fans. Like, I can specifically... I have a memory of why I didn't get into Power Rangers 2. It's, like, very early, like, little kid memory. It was... So we can see right here, it was August. It was August of 93. So, like, before anything 
happened with the show. I'm I I used to get Fox Kids magazine, at least yeah. that month I did. Yep. And I remember they had a preview of Power Rangers before the show even started. And I, I remember making a, a comment to a friend of mine. This was before I met you um, about how the show looked cool. And he I specifically remember I don't remember what he said, but I remember being a little kid and having my Fox Kids magazine and being like, oh, this show looks cool. And he tore it apart. He was he was like, oh, it looks like it's for kids, and which is funny because that's how kids talk. Like you know what I mean? Like oh, it's a baby show. It's like dude, dude we're ten. But yeah, I remember that's him funny. tearing it apart. So I never I never like invested in it, which is funny now that I think of it. But that it was before I met you because we met in September of '93. I'm now realizing because that yeah. would have been when we started that school year. So yeah. So this volume of Ninja Turtles coincidentally ends. ended right before <laughs> you and I meet. So like we said, the first issue came out the day I was born. <laughs> and now yep. this issue comes out the month before I meet you. It's like this whole volume spanned the exact amount of time that I didn't know you. <laughs> the only section of my life I didn't know you. That's so weird. It doesn't mean anything, but it's a weird coincidence. <laughs> And then August 30th, The Late Show with David Letterman premieres on CBS with guest Bill Murray and musical guest Billy Joel. Bill and Bill. Yep. And that is all the hubbub I got for the month that this comic came out. Let's close out this volume, Sean. Why is the cover so sad? (laughs) Because the volume's over. So the last cover of volume one of Mirage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's the turtles waving goodbye to Donatello and Splinter, who are in the the black and white cave, while they're in color, in the foreground. (laughs) And then Casey, April, and Shadow are... Well, I guess the turtles are in the mid-ground, and then they're in the foreground. But the one thing I have to say about this cover, I do not like this look for Casey Jones. (laughs) No, he looks bizarre. And I'm not, like, hating on the art. Like, it's good art. I just, like, would not recognize this as him. Like, it just doesn't look like him. You know what I mean? Like, it's a good-looking drawing of a of a person. But <laughs> doesn't look like... That's not what Casey should look like. To me, at least. The turtles look great. Well, since you bring it... Actually, I thought it was interesting they finally, like, decided on April's hair color at the, like, last issue. She's also wearing yellow, and it looks like it could be the yellow jumpsuit from the cartoon show. It's got, like, a collar. Oh, maybe. She, she's not on the cover enough to tell, but she's wearing something yellow with a collar. Yeah, it's possible. I, I guess I could bring it up now because she's on the cover. Shadow's just odd-looking. This whole well, issue. Especially on that Casey Jones, like, she looks a little too small. Yeah, she she almost doesn't look like a real baby. It looks like a doll. <laughs> Everyone knows Casey Joneses are marsupials, and this That's this Shadow what? Jones is gonna go into his little pouch and <laughs> continue to develop. That's what it looks but like. I I think for the last cover they do a really good job. There's something about the shells on these turtles that I really like. 
I don't know what it is, but I like, I, I don't know. I really like these turtles. And I like the splinter too, even though he's got his back to us. Yeah, it's a Goodbye. solid cover. I think it's a nice way to wrap the whole thing up. And then before the issue starts, we've got our normal letter to the reader here because it's pre-internet and this is the only way to talk to your fans. Um, it just basically thanks everyone for reading volume one and lets them know that volume two is going to be out in October, starting with a new Ninja Turtles number one. And yeah, it's a it's a really short letter, but it they were setting that up. Wow, they only stopped a month? That's crazy. They went to, they used the excuse of the fact that the issues are in color now. They went back to every other month. So, bi-monthly, I guess that's called? I don't know. But Yeah, bi-monthly. But I'm sure they're not, I'm sure we'll see they're not going to stick to that schedule. I mean, it's still Mirage. Uh, I, I'm sure they <laughs> won't, because I, I don't expect till maybe volume three. They at least stuck with a monthly. It's been almost 10 years, and they're only on issue 62 for volume one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So we open up the comic book, and it starts with Casey and April. They're at the the Jones farmhouse in Northampton. They've got Shadow with them. And Casey came to pick up some items that he left behind that he wants, and... They do a little cleanup while they're there as well. Uh, April talks about how the, the water is brown because it's been sitting. And she heats up a bottle for Shadow while Casey finds his favorite beer mugs and stuff. They're just kind of milling about. I thought it was funny that there's no, like, mention where, like, just as they're cleaning up for dinner, April's like, so why was that dresser outside near that shattered window on the second floor? <laughs> Call back to when he tossed it. Yeah. <laughs> gonna have to fix that when I mean you're gonna have to fix that window before winter sets in because we've seen that it gets really snowy around there. Oh, they yeah, they th break something right at the beginning of the issue too. C Casey Jones is a classic klutz. Like <laughs> Shadow Jones is going to think broken glass is just part of your carpet. <laughs> That's just part of life. <laughs> and then the next morning, because, I mean, not much happens. They, I mean, they kind of reminisce no. about their time together. And, you know, it's nice to see. It. Basically, these pages are to let the reader know, okay, these two are together now. Like, Casey and April yeah. are finally, like, trying to make a go of it as a couple. Which I think we're going to talk about a little bit when we get into volume two, I haven't had the time to do this yet, but I want to, I really want to reread this entire volume because I feel like that's something where the outside world influence has influenced the comic. Like, yeah, I don't think they started off as kind of romantically interested, but like, that's something where like the 1990 movie might be where that idea originated, but I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and reread and see. I think it's definitely that because the 87 series, he's just a psychopath. and Yeah. I don't think April even meets him. So the next morning, April's swimming in the lake and she starts treading water, I guess they call it, when you're just kind of staying in one place. And all of a sudden she gets pulled down into the water and you think it's going to be like a little monster movie moment, kind of like when they, they met those 
water creatures in that one issue. But it turns out yep. it's the Ninja Turtles, and they were there to surprise her. And I love when the turtles do water stuff. I I want more underwater turtle adventures, which is something we still to this day haven't really gotten a lot of. Like, I know the Adventures comics has like Murdude and and Ray Filet, but, but throw some Aquaman influence in there, guys. Like they, they could say, do so I, many I, cool things. I'm almost caught up on IDW, and I can't even think of an instance where they're really in water in that. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I want. I know they're gearing up for like Armageddon game right now, but after that, do the have them find Atlantis, introduce the IDW version of Murdude. I'm telling you, I love underwater stuff. I love snow and I love underwater. I know what I like and it's environments. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even characters. <laughs> <laughs> So April talks about how the turtles scared her half to death, and Casey gives everyone a hug except Raph. Raph throws a punch, because that's, you know, they're dudes. They got a brr. They do their little bro time. And then the group kind of relaxes on the grass to catch up on everything that's been going on. You know, the turtles catch April and Casey up on the City at War events, and they tell the turtles about how, oh, it was crazy. I'm just fixing a water heater. And next thing I know, April's there. And April talks about how she's buying Casey's mom's building. And they're all caught up on everything. I, I wish there were a few more beats because I know April mentions her father passes away. And Leo says, so sorry, April. But it would just be funny to see like if the turtles went first and went on all about the Foot Clan. And this happened. And Splinter went missing and blah, blah, blah. And Casey's like, oh, I met a girl, and and she was pregnant and died in childbirth, you know. And, <laughs> oh, uh, my dad died, and it's just like, oh, kind of feel like jerks that we just were fighting the Foot Clan now, and no one really <laughs> yeah, cares that those guys died. <laughs> the turtles were just being turtles, doing their turtle adventures. They didn't lose anybody. They almost lost Splinter, though. And that's kind of what transitions into the next story beat is that yeah, yeah. Splinter, apparently, since the whole Rat King adventure, hasn't really been the same. So the Turtles announced that they're going to go back to the city with April and Casey. But Donatello says that he's going to stay behind with Master Splinter. And I really liked that it was Donatello that decided to stay with Splinter because... Like, the bad fan fiction version of this would have been Leonardo every time. Like, any amateur writer would have picked Leonardo to be the one to stay with Splinter. Or maybe Raph. But Donatello is the better choice because it's the interesting one. You know? Yeah, because, again, IDW, I think it'd be Mikey. It, well, yeah, I could see it being Mikey. I mean, he's he is the heart of that team. But, no, I, I think it's an interesting choice, and I'm almost disappointed you don't get a little more with that because they're the two characters who have kind of taken the brunt of everything that's occurred in City at War because mm -hmm. Donnie's got a broken leg and Splinter is now distraught. At the time, he was all thanks and, yeah, great. Had <laughs> time, you know, a wonderful time in the hole with you there, Rat King. But now, now he's not. <laughs> Thank you for the lessons. Yeah, that was what he yeah, was like at the time. Yeah. So now he's not feeling so great about it. But no, I, I, 
I just wish there was a little more of it, but it is interesting. The part that I found interesting was that April tells them that they could stay at Casey's farmhouse and they're like hesitant. Yeah. And I don't understand that. Like Donatello's like, oh, what if strangers came to the house? And it's not like the turtles have shied away from those situations. Like I, I, I know what they're getting at with that line. They're trying to reassure like remind the reader that oh they they stay in the shadows and they stay hidden and they're unknown and if strangers come to the house their existence will be exposed but that's never really been a problem before because they they had the whole adventure where Casey's cousin came to the house right and they didn't seem worried then they threw him in a trunk <laughs> like, I say I wonder if he ever found those guys <laughs> But yeah, that's basically what they're going through here is they're going to go back to the city and and Donatello's going to stay behind with Splinter and that's kind of where the sto- the stories of our main characters end for the volume. And then there's an epilogue. So they all they all hug each other and then you, you get it on the next page. The old man from the explosion, Mr. Bouchev, he's taken by a cab to this new apartment that he's going to be staying in this guy shows him in shows him where the bathroom and the kitchen and everything is says do you have any questions no thank you he stares out the window and that is the end of that plot twist you see the captain america shield under the bed he was old man captain america the whole time (laughs) that doesn't happen no (laughs) i don't think i will (laughs) I was kind of bummed his first name wasn't Chet. Yeah. I I was kind of hoping there'd be one more Chet. And I do like the moment just before that when April's kind of saying goodbye to the woods. Like talking to Splinter because she has no idea where the hell he is. Mm -hmm. And then he comes out and calls her daughter and they embrace. I think that's a nice cap on April and the turtles. Then we go hang out with this guy and see that, you know, he's going to be okay. Yeah, it's an interesting issue. It's You know what it felt like to me? It's funny that this is the end of the first volume because it feels like it belongs as the end of the first volume. Like, like it feels like the last episode of a TV show before they changed networks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like. Like season one through five was on ABC and now six, seven and eight are going to be on CBS or something like it leaves you wondering what's going to happen with certain storylines, but also kind of wraps them up at the same time. I mean, that's what every ending should be like. It, it You should never it should never feel like everything is just over. You know, you should always be able to imagine a little bit where these characters are going to go from there. And so I think it did a great job of being the story it needed to be as the the bridge between the two volumes. Yeah, and I appreciate that they don't, even though they knew volume two was coming, there's no like tease, like villain tease or anything like that there. Yeah. There's, you know, like they don't do that and I... They don't show like a feel- a monster watching them from the woods or they don't end 
on showing like someone in New York City like finalizing some invention or something. There's no dun dun right. dun ending. So I think that adds to it a lot. Yeah. You know, like if if this was it for you for turtles, you have an ending. But yeah, I because of that, because it's the you know transition issue, I gave it a three point five. It's perfect for what it is, but there's also nothing in it where I'm like, wow, this is my new favorite issue. You know, it's it's a 3.5. It's something you should absolutely read. There's nothing wrong with it. Maybe could be like 3.6, 3.7, somewhere in there. But I, to me, a four and up is something that I'm going to reread all the time, regardless of context. And this issue, I'm probably only going to reread when I reread the whole volume, you know, I'm never going to read just this issue. Yeah. I gave it a 3.8 just because like I said, it just didn't expand a few moments. Yeah. But overall it's a solid issue. And like I said, I mean, I, I don't think coming up with the end of a run on a book is easy period. So I give them a lot of credit for being able to do it. You know, they, they could have totally botched the ending here <laughs> and I think they just do a nice landing and do leave it open but you know don't leave anything hanging to the point where you're like well and then there was no more Ninja Turtle comics <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that is the last issue of volume one we we made it to the end and before we do our second segment here, uh, I think, first off, like, let's just appreciate that. That's awesome. We made it through the whole first volume. Yeah. And then also at the same time, like, I think now's the time to talk about how we're going to cover the other the other volumes. So just let people know we are going to take a little bit of a hiatus in between the seasons here, but we are still going to upload new episodes. It just won't be every single week. Because we're going to be working on season three of the podcast. So the next few volumes, Sean and I talked about it. Volume two is only 13 issues long. And then we were like 13. That's like four months. So basically what I'm getting at here is next season, we are going to do all of volume two and all of volume three. So we'll get both of those knocked out. It's going to be a big season. It's going to be like 40 episodes, which is bigger than the the 32 we've been doing. Not by much, but it's there. So, so yeah, that's what we got to look forward to and like we've said before, I'm super excited that it's all going to be like one straight continuity too. So, we've got that to look forward to. There's no like this issue doesn't count anymore. Like it's all for the same cause. Yeah, yeah. I- when we start those, I, I think we'll just, hey, if you're just joining us, these previous issues are, con- you know, in continuity yeah. and nothing else matters. But no, it, it's, I'm looking forward to doing it, especially because I've never read volume three. I've been waiting and waiting, so I, I can't wait to see, like, what Image Comics Turtles is like. If I remember correctly, it's the same continuity as volumes one and two. So one, two, and three flow straight together as one story. But then when you get to volume four, it says volume three didn't happen. I think that's how it goes. But 
I could be wrong. I'm going to have to get refreshed on that. But yeah, so I figure for the second segment this week, instead of doing a toy or a video game, it's the perfect time to take a look back at the season and take a look back at the issues we covered, the high points, the low points, the just everything. Just talk about everything. What 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 volume one brought us. <laughs> so one thing that I came away from this volume thinking is Raph and Leonardo are definitely the most developed as the t- of the turtles story wise. Yeah. Mikey and Donatello feel a little underdeveloped still. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to next volume is I think they start to get a little more character, a little more differentiation, especially Michelangelo. Michelangelo is the turtle that I feel like they kind of know he's the goofy one, but it doesn't come up as often as it would in, say, like an IDW story. Yeah. And and they definitely haven't made him like the heart of the team yet. I don't know. It's going to be cool going forward and... uh... Basically, this first volume was them figuring out what the Ninja Turtles even are as like a series. And now I feel like they have a pretty good handle on it. And then going forward, like volume, the the future volumes, they kind of know. It just kind of feels more like they know what story they're trying to tell. And it doesn't feel like they're figuring it out as they go along. Yep. And I I think they're allowed to play with characters more because... Like, I'm excited that one of the villains will be returning for Volume 2, and mm-hmm. he's only kind of a minor thing in Volume 1. So, it's also interesting, too, just to see, like, there's no Bebop and Rocksteady in the comic yet. Like, there aren't a lot of the things you're used to. Oh, yeah, um, they don't show up. You- I don't think they ever show up. You gotta wait till IDW for them, I think. But even, like, the mutanimals, like, stuff you're just used to. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. It's just it's fascinating to see how different it is. It's not like a, a Batman where most of those villains have been there from the beginning. And that's why I think the IDW run has been so perfect. It's, it's like they've taken all this Turtles history of the previous volumes and they've made it into a solid thing where it does feel like a Batman comic now. Like it feels like that history is there and everything is, is, I mean, I shouldn't talk we're going to get to IDW eventually, but like that, it's just so perfect for where the series went. It's so, it's so good to know that there's no point where I'm, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do these episodes. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm so excited that like every episode going forward is something I I'm, I'm thrilled to get back into. And again, we brought it up, but I appreciate that they did have a guest era and that they did mm-hmm. it when they were starting out because yeah. going forward, you're going to get different teams of people working on the book, but it's all the overarching story. Yeah. And, and the guest era, it's just so hard to put yourself in that mindset because we know turtles as like a major franchise and it's like you got to think back then when they didn't know what this was yet, they were basically like, okay, so the comic book is going to be more of an anthology type thing where like every issue is going to be its own isolated thing. And like there are plenty of comic book series that are like that. And they they don't even have an ongoing numbering system. Like a lot of them will just be multiple miniseries. And, yeah. and yeah, I think that's what they were going for at, the, at first. 
And the other thing that's been fascinating going through this run is the fact that there's a lot of issues where the turtles are not the focus. I, I, I'm pretty sure we're done with that. Absolutely. And it's just, I don't know, it's fascinating because I can't like envision like a Spider-Man run where he's not the main part of the book, you know? <laughs> Yeah, like like that vampire story. I can't remember if that was one or two issues, but it seemed like they wanted to make a vampire comic and they kind of fit the turtles in, you know? Like they were like, "Okay, yeah. I'm going to tell my vampires take over a school story." I think it was a school. And and I guess the turtles will be the ones who break it up because it's their book, but my main focus is these vampires <laughs> in this cult. So yeah, that I think that's been the most interesting part of doing volume one is just seeing the growing pains, the let's throw it against the wall, see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're busy doing all this other stuff. Let's bring these people in. They can do their turtle books and sometimes their trilogies will be split up in ways that are slightly confusing. <laughs> but I'm so happy that there's not going to be that anymore. Like if somebody's working on the book their issues are coming out consecutively. I'm so happy about that. And with that, I think that's a perfect time to take a look at the our five favorite issues from this season. I'm so curious I, if we have different ones at all. <laughs> I didn't put mine in an order. I just picked my five I didn't favorites. Either. Okay. Yeah. So, one that I think was definitely deserving of being a top 5 issue. I'll go first is issue 47, which was Masks Part 2. Yeah, I have that the, online. The Savante Romero. So it was the Savante Romero story where you weren't supposed to know it was him and it was like a big reveal. Yep. The, the, the thing that I love about those two issues is it's, it's what the third Turtles movie should have been. And we said that in those episodes. Like, it's really cool to see a Turtles comic from the original Mirage volume and be like, this is similar enough to Ninja Turtles 3, the movie, but really good. So I, I, that, that story is so cool. They go to ancient Japan. Definitely check that out if, if for some reason you didn't read it along with us. Yeah, I, I have both those issues as part of my five favorites. And uh, Chode, oh, okay. I thought he was a great character. I mean. Yeah, like we He's said another... back then, the, the, the writer of that wanted to make him, like, spin him off into his own series, and it just never happened. But he he is a good enough yeah. character to have his own series. The samurai ninja dynamic that comes up in those two issues, I love that, because you get into kind of the historical context of things. And, uh, I mean, I guess it goes without saying, but the fight scenes in those two mm-hmm. books are some of the best stuff they've done. And I really love the ending because shout out to Ninja Turtle Minute. One thing they said on their most recent season where they did the third movie is they were like, these turtles, they go back to ancient Japan and there's no mention of the Foot Clan. That's so weird. And this did that. The the twist ending is that the characters at the end form the Foot Clan. The people, I think it's the people they helped end up forming the Foot Clan. So that's such a, a cool little like moment in turtle history there. So I guess what would be number the third issue I picked, but Leatherhead two, I really enjoyed like 
That's the next one just on my list, too. Like, literally oh, the it, next one in here. <laughs> yeah. Issue 45. This is going to be a mind meld list. But I, I just love the way he brought back. He's, the he's art one in of that the is so characters. cool, too. Like, oh, the way yep. like the way they draw Leatherhead. It's, and they got, like, a cool little underground environment. It reminds me of, like, the, the sewers in in the Arkham, the Batman Arkham City games. Yep. Uh, I love those four unique foot soldier guys. I'm still bummed they never come back and that they didn't expand on that. Like, I love that idea. And, you know, we've said it, but they don't do that with foot soldiers, really. And I I would love it if there was, like, Mm -hmm. a couple of them that were that unique that, you know, they have a name even and they pop up in the book. I don't know. Maybe IDW will bring them back. But I love that. Uh, Leatherhead, I feel like he's a character that started out good and is just good in every iteration as far as the comics. That's a good point. I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Like, they never failed at Leatherhead. There's no version of him where it's like, this is stupid. Even the 87 cartoon version is still fun to watch and go, I guarantee. Yeah. And make all those Cajun puns. And I, I guess there was really nowhere to put him, but I wish he came back in one more issue in volume one. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that just the whole story they do with him about he's going to go to the Utrum dimension and, you know, live there. I don't know. I just love all that stuff. And that, that was the thing that struck me as odd. This volume is that the Utrams get mentioned, but never showed up again. Yeah, you're right, because because they have that huge they have that huge adventure in like it's like issues what like four five and six and seven something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, you're right. They don't ever really come back. Same thing so with the I... the Triceratons, which were a really cool concept and and get used in later Turtles media, like the 2012 cartoon yeah. and the 2003 cartoon and stuff, but. They came back for Return to New York, but then really nothing. So, yeah, I, I just really, I thought that was a great issue. I, I'm hoping it's going to get reprinted at some point. But, yeah, I don't know. That Leatherhead 2, it, it, it's one of those instances where it's just like, wow, they just went with a simple title and then they they managed to build this really great turtle story around him coming back. The next one I picked was issue 43, Halls of Lost Legends. It's the one where they're... Ooh, I don't have that. I thought it was a really good issue. It's the, the one where they're they're basically out in the woods and they... I, it it kind of reminded me of like a Legend of Zelda type thing. They basically find like a Zelda temple in the woods. Yeah. And, and they have this like crazy adventure inside and... It's also really cool with the lore about how like the the thing inside was like, oh, you you guys are too early, but someday you're gonna be legends, but you're not legends yet. It was really yeah. cool. Got a cool cover too. It's that got was that, like that was one of my favorite covers. Fight. Yeah. Was it Loki that they? Yes. Fought. Yeah, all right. It so would be so th- funny I, if we were covering that issue when the Loki show was coming out. We didn't time we didn't time it that well, but yeah. Yeah. 
that was the thing too with this volume is I I love how they brought mythology and that you know mysticism and stuff in and that you know, issue would have made a really back. cool cartoon episode. Yeah, that's what I'm surprised that they've because it's not a nice self-contained from. story. It's it's a villain yep. that never comes up again. So you could even substitute Savante Romero in there if you were if you had to like yep. you know legally change something. Like it's it's just a nice self-contained story. So my my fourth issue I have. It's amazing. We just finished it and. Uh, issue 52, City at War Part 3, is the only City at War issue I had in my five favorites. And that's so the one. So what about Part 3 set it apart from the other ten issues for you? That's the one where they because fight it, in the city and there's there's the, the yeah. guy on the bus that shuts, like he's hacking on the computer. Yep. and Yeah. I think it's because it's the only one that felt like a citywide event to me. Because mm-hmm. even as the story goes, I mean, I know it's supposed to be like a war in the shadows and everything, but even as you go through it, should have called it Secret War def- or Shadow War. I'm, <laughs> I'm still on that. Like it, the event really didn't feel like a city at war. Yeah. It, so I don't know. It's just it, it's got it so no much curfew, great action. No lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> There's no. Uh, edf or whatever they have in idw yeah but yeah i don't know i liked it it's it's like the only time the people of new york like factor in to that story really outside of the old man because the police are involved Mm. and there are people witnessing this and so it's just strange to me that it's the only point in the whole arc where that happens and I, i i don't know i just I feel like they needed to just have New York be more of a character in that arc and show a little more of how it's affecting the citizens. And I think that one issue sums it up the best. And I, I think it's got my favorite action beats of city at war with the Mm -hmm. robot crushing the foot soldiers head and the the RPGs and all that. I don't know. There's, the cop car exploding, like the detail on that, because that's the other thing I've noticed as we go through the book. We're very nerdy about detail, but I just thought that was the best of the whole 13 parts. My next pick, which I don't think you're going to pick, but I really enjoyed the, I think it was the first episode we did this season, issue 32, The Egyptian Adventure. And I like it because... It's like the perfect example of what the Ninja Turtle adventure comics could be, even though it wasn't an adventure comic. It was part of the main series, but it was like, it it was just like, it felt like the cartoon turtles. Like it, it, it felt like the turtles I recognized from my childhood in a really cool comic. And they, they have this crazy Egyptian adventure with Anubis and, and all the Egyptian peoples and their zombies and it was a, it was a cool issue. I liked it a lot. They also did it in a way that didn't feel forced because mm-hmm. I think sometimes I think it's mostly guest stuff, but you can tell they're pulling from the cartoon and it almost yeah. seems out of place. I almost went with the issue after it with the pirates and all that stuff because I thought that was cool. I actually but, am not that big a fan of that issue. 
I mean, it's, I'm glad it works for some people. I, but you know me. I'm not big on pirates in general. Like, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies I don't like. Like, I'm not I'm just not big on pirates. So I'm almost positive you have this because it's just become a mantra. But uh, Turtle Dreams was my favorite issue. Absolutely, yep. Issue 41, Turtle Dreams. I... I love that it like what if Doug funny drew a Ninja Turtles comic? <laughs> this is what he would make. It's just so perfectly its own version of the turtles while still just like being cute and giving every character their own beat and their own dream. Yep. And, and the dreams all relate to the, each turtle's personality and psyche and, yep. It's just great. It's just, and it made me want a Ninja Turtle cartoon show like that, like Doug Funny's Ninja Turtles yeah. on Nickelodeon. Yeah, it's a, I, hey, they're I, on Nickelodeon now. They could do that. Oh no, yeah, they, they don't could, own Doug anymore though. Dang it. <laughs> we don't want Disney to buy Nickelodeon. So, <laughs> oh, they lost no, Doug. I, that Rocco's like modern that... Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh, that. There you go. Because he work. had a he he and they did a little uh, what do you call it? They had an animation studio when they did Wacky Deli. <laughs> oh yeah, the cheese is the best. I am the cheese. I am the best character on the show. <laughs> but that's the issue that stuck with me ever since we did it. I I just I couldn't stop thinking about it. It just it would make me smile because it's just such a wholesome like. You know, even Splinter gets a little moment, which is great, of his dinner with all these great minds. And isn't that one of the ones that isn't reprinted in anything? We've been wrong about that so much. I believe it is. I know, but I'm pretty sure it hasn't been in any of the collections. But I almost say that's an issue you could give somebody who knows nothing about Ninja Turtles. Like, here you go. Here's your introduction. Yeah, and it's a self-contained one-issue story, too. So, like, that that's one where you don't even need it in a collection. Like, go on eBay, spend the 12 bucks or whatever they're, they're charging for it these days. Like, if it's less than $25, I'd say it's worth it just to own that piece of turtle history. But also, I buy everything turtles, so maybe you shouldn't be listening to me. Um, It might be my favorite wraparound cover of the whole series, too. Oh, where they're all on the floor? Yeah, I, I I just like it. It's simple. I wish we got a few more pages with an April and a Casey dream. Yeah. That would have been nice, but you can't get everything. So I think that's about it for the first volume of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, yeah, I mean, if you've been with us all this time, thank you and kudos to you for sticking in. And if you know someone who likes the Ninja Turtles and you haven't told them about this podcast, you don't got to keep it a secret. You could t- <laughs> you could tell them, tell them to listen, tell them to get caught up because we're going to be taking a brief break. But I think we can tell the listeners what we're doing next. Yeah. So our, our next episode is kind of a celebration and a reward for <laughs> we're rewarding ourselves for finishing the whole first volume is we are going to finally do an episode about the 1990 Ninja Turtles movie, which most Turtle fans will agree, even if it's not their favorite version of the Turtles, I think everyone's got that 
at least in their top three. Like, that's everyone loves that. You can't like Ninja Turtles and not like that movie. That's how I'll say that. Like, I don't think there's any Turtles fan who doesn't like that movie. I have yet to meet any that, the like, I know people that don't like Secret of the Ooze or the Michael yeah. Bay's or the, whatever, but the 1990 movie seems to be the only outside of the comics version of them. Universally loved by Turtles fans, yes. So we're going to be so. finally doing that episode, and yeah, it's just a little celebration, a little like, woohoo, we did it, we made it through the first volume. So yeah, we're going to cover that, and... That episode will be dropping in this feed in a couple of weeks. We're going to be a little bit more sporadic with our uploads. We're not going to be every week, like I said earlier. But we are still, you know, keep keep yourself subscribed. We are still going to be dropping episodes and bonus content throughout our couple of month-long hiatus. We'll, we'll probably basically be a bi-monthly podcast. I mean, there might be... You know, a month that we do one episode, there might be a month we do three episodes, but yeah, I, th- I think it's probably going to work out to like, we're going to take a couple of months off and I don't know what it works out to be. If it's three months off, we'll have six bonus episodes. It'll, it'll end up being something like that, you know? So, and I mean, in the interim, I'm going to be popping up on at least one of the other turtle pods. Woo! You won't be fully rid of me, but. Thank you so much. This is really a blast to do, and I'm just glad we got through something all the way. Yeah, it's thank everyone for listening. Thank anyone who told their friends to listen. Thank anyone who left reviews. It's also not too late if you haven't left a review. <laughs> so do that. And and yeah, they just it's been a great journey, and I can't wait to do the future volumes. They're in full color now, and it's it's gonna be a blast. Like Volume two is really cool. It's really short, but it's really cool. And then volume three is insane. So it's all going to be really fun to talk about. Oh, yeah. We won't have that anymore when it's like, which version are you reading? Do you have the black and white? Do you have the recolor? (laughs) So. So thank everyone for listening. And we'll see you next episode for our coverage on the 1990 movie. The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at tmntnerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at tmntnerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.